Okay, we are we are live. Good morning, everyone. Uh, sorry for being a few minutes late due to technical difficulties, but I believe this is Stock Talk episode. Oh gosh, now 13, 14 around now. Thirteen. Well, so lovely Saturday morning, and uh, it's a pleasure to see you all. Oh, I'm excited to see everyone in the chat, especially those who join early. And uh, how's the weather up there in Canada, Daniel? Uh, cold. I was gonna have a fire last night, but we had to cancel because it was minus thirty degrees Celsius. So. Or sorry, minus 20 wasn't minus 30 last night. It was really cold, though. Yeah, sorry, everyone, for the, the delay. We've had a very interesting morning. So, I mean, Jake, I'm just going to share a little bit. Jake, <laughs> some, some, he, somehow water was spilled. We're not going to get into the, te to the, the specifics here, but somehow water was spilled on his laptop last night. Basically ruined his laptop. He's on his girlfriend's laptop now, so we had to get everything set up and... Uh, not the best morning. <laughs> the plot thickens. So I was going to use my girlfriend's laptop, but it was dead. So it didn't have enough inputs to run the stream. But yes, we were leaving for uh, her holiday party last night, and an unnamed individual accidentally knocked very hard a glass of water. And lo and behold, somebody went on my laptop, didn't think about it when we left, and now half the keys don't work. So we'll not be typing to you all in the chat. Uh, we'll be vocally responding and uh, Daniel will be handling the screen share and stuff. I think we were going to kick off with uh, talking about Carvana today. Yes. Let's do it. All right. So do you have anything off the top of your head that you want to discuss about Carvana or should I just get right into it? Yeah. Uh, for people in the chat, we'd love to hear your opinions about Carvana. You know, this is a publicly traded stock there in the car rental market and their stock has been taking a huge beating. They have an incredibly low insight score on stock unlock or a lot of pretty bad financials. So we're going to do our best to be respectful while talking about the stock, but full disclosure, there are a lot of red flags that we're seeing here and some of the value we want to share and what Daniel and I are seeing is how people can avoid really, really bad investments. Yeah. So this is Let's just get right into it. So this is Carvana here. And just so everyone knows, like the reason we're talking about this this week is because this week there was some sort of news that came out with Carvana stock basically saying that this company is about to go bankrupt and like analysts and everything think that this company is basically done. So what Carvana is, let me know if I'm, if I'm getting this correct, Jake, but basically they're like an online seller of used vehicles or like an online marketplace for people to go to to sell their vehicles totally digitally and online. So when when the economy was basically shut down in 2020 and 2021, everyone was stuck at home. They couldn't go into car dealerships, so they had to go online to buy and sell vehicles. And then Carvana saw, you know, this massive freaking run here of over 1,000%. <laughs> And I, I do have one thing to add to what you said. You are correct about the, them being a used car salesman. The interesting one about this, and you might not know this, Daniel, but people in the States do, especially if you live in Arizona, and I have seen these, think about a huge car vending machine. So Carvana had a big name because this company was building huge buildings like in the desert where they would stack cars that would, I'm not sure if they moved around like a carousel, but quite literally a larger than life, almost a vending machine of cars. So their whole angle and brand is more than just being a used car salesman. There is a lot of innovation, or at least they say a lot of innovation in the company where they're kind of driving new consumer behaviors and really changing how 
used car sales happen. So it's not just the online infrastructure. They also have a lot of physical spaces where they show these cars. And it's really what helped the media catch on. And I think as we see on the spike here, there is definitely a lot of mania and friends here around buying the stock. And plus one to what you said too, that COVID definitely did help their business. However, as we'll get into it, their revenue is down. I think they have billions of dollars in debt. And something I would love to discuss is knowing the CEO of the company. This CEO who's running this company, I believe his name's Garcia. I'll have to correct myself there potentially. Was convicted of fraud in 1990 in the used car space. So basically giving out junk loans and covering like weird a $30 million line of credit to kind of hide from regulators some shady business practices that were happening in Arizona. Um, you can read a lot about it on Wikipedia, but it's an interesting move to have someone running a public facing company who's committed fraud in the past. Maybe this dude's turned it around, but it is not something that makes me feel excited to buy it off the bat after I learned that. Yeah. All right. So let's take a look at this company's. Oh, wait a second. So, yeah, this stock was up, you know, we saw over 1000% during um, from the from the COVID lows to the peak here in 2021. And now if we take a look from the peak to where the stock is now, the stock was $370 at one point. And now it is down 98.66% and it's trading for $5 a share. So basically a total loss if you're buying the stock near the top. Um, let's go take a look at its insights. We can see that over half of its insights are very bad with 16 here. That's immediately a pretty big red flag for me. Also, this is a new feature we're working on. It's not released yet. Me and Nick are still um, fixing some bugs with this feature, but we're hoping to launch this next week. This is the quick blurb. And we can see here that Carvana has negative free cash flow of, you know, I don't even know this number because we're going to fix that. But anyways, which means <laughs> we got to call our little code formatting function. Yeah, which means that it is currently losing money. Also, it has a current cash runway of four months. The cash runway is the amount of time the business has at its current burn rate before it will need to take on debt or diluted shareholders to raise more money. So basically, this company is losing a ton of money, and it's got four months of cash left, which means that it's going to have to take on a lot of debt or dilute, which is not good. Financial health, we can see again, cash runway four months. Um, shares have increased by 25% over the past year, so they have diluted already by 25%, and they're already running out of that cash that they uh, they raised. Oh, but hey, look at that. Revenue's growing. Sweet. Hey. Awesome. Interesting. I'm not sure that's growing in TTM. I, I kind of want to check out the quarterly numbers since... But, but, but Jake, if revenue's growing, does that mean the stock is a buy? Great question. So I watch this dude on YouTube sometimes, named Daniel Prog, and I learned from him that revenue growth is not the only way to value a company. I think the next things we should right. look at here are their profitability scores and... Just because I can't help myself to add some color gear, you are right. They diluted share, they diluted shareholders as well as raised debt. The amount of debt, Daniel, you will see on this balance sheet is incredible. And the reason why the stock is selling off so much, in my opinion, is there is a very real chance that this company could go under. Uh, oh, absolutely. Bankruptcy. So the bottom is zero. People ask how low can a stock go? Zero is the floor. Yep. Yeah, okay. So we got gross margin, bad 10%. Um, operating margin negative, net margin negative, free cash flow margin negative, unprofitable free cash flow outflow was $2.38 billion in the past year, and they're not investing their money well at all. So yeah, basically this company is only growing revenue in the TTM. Everything else is declining. Its profits are non-existent. It's burning cash. 
It's been diluting shareholders and it has four months left of cash. It is not in a good place. So if we go over to their cash flow statement, I want to take a look at this first. We can see that their cash from operating activities was negative 1.76 billion in a TTM. But hey, look, it's slightly improving, but they're still losing a lot of money. Um, and then on top of that, they have investments in property, plant, and equipment, which is CapEx of 600 million, which means that their their free cash flow is negative 2.4 billion dollars, basically. So in the past year, that's how much money the company has lost. So if a company is losing money, then it's not generating any money organically, which means that it's relying on debt and dilution. So right here, we can see that they do dilute pretty, you know, about once a, once a year, it looks like. Last time, they raised about $1.23 Before that, it was a billion. And you can see all of this is them raising cash. So wow. that, is, that is how the company survives. And then if we go to the, the balance sheet, we can see right here that they raised all this money, right? That's why their cash increased to $1 billion. But then literally in one quarter, they've earned $700 million of that cash. So as of the last quarter, they have $316 million left. This business is not generating any money. Remember, it's losing over $2 billion a year. So now that it's got $316 million left, what are they going to do? Well, I think the CEO has a apartment in Trump Tower that I read on the Forbes article <laughs> preparing for this stream. So not sure where all that money is going. But... Oh, sorry. Yeah, their total cash is actually $800 million. I was looking at the cash and cash equivalents without the short-term investments. But yeah, their total cash is still not in the best position. And then we can also see that their liabilities have been consistently increasing over time, now sitting at $9 billion in liabilities. I'm waiting for so you to get to that long-term debt number. Like at the yeah, other <laughs> their long-term debt is now sitting at $6.6 .6 billion. So yeah, this company is in trouble. It's really, really, really in trouble. Yeah, and when I see a debt number that high too, like, you know, just simple back ahead math, but they have $6 billion of debt. They need cash flows to pay that off. Obviously, the cash flows are negative, but, you know, it's very interesting when their revenue is starting to flatline, they've raised debt and diluted shareholders. Like, I don't know, Daniel, it's hard for me to feel confidence that they are going to be able to turn this ship around. Yeah, I, and you can see that their, their shares outstanding. I don't know what happened here, but their shares outstanding have been consistently increasing every single quarter by you know, a substantial amount, like 4%, 12%, 3%. That's quarter over quarter dilution. So they're diluting a lot. And um, yeah, dude, honestly, I think this business is done. I think it's going to go under. I have, I don't see any physical way that this business is going to pay back $6 billion in debt. I Like with when they're losing that much money and their cash is about to run out and their stock is down 98%, they can't even dilute anymore. Like they can't, their, their, their company is worth $953 million. So even if they diluted 50%, they would only raise like $470 million, right? That's Which not going to... That is, doesn't seem like a lot based on their... Yeah, that's like, that's like two months of cash. So... <laughs> Someone just said, can we play a game and try to find the lowest insight scores on the platform? I think we can do that with the stock screener and... I think we can. Yeah. We do like to highlight stocks to avoid as well. We know a lot of channels talk about stocks to buy. We try to hit both sides just since we feel that there's a lot to learn from these. And building on this, Daniel, if we have time, I we always talk about other ways to kind of gauge a company's health. One way we say is go to their investor relations page. Carvana put out a 90 plus, uh, 90 plus page slide deck and over 50 of the pages is just them like advertising and comparing them to companies, like how big they could be. It kind of had red flag for me all over it. It didn't really talk about their financials at all. And I think 
you know, investors can go look at those things and try to get a gauge of, well, yeah, they're not putting out good, you know, information about their earnings. Yeah. Yeah. So I have, I have a slideshow right here of four slides that I took. Um, Daniel would, that's a great question right here. Daniel, would you short Carvana? So I have shorted stocks in the past and I actually have a 100% profit rate with shorting stocks. But with that said, I think shorting is quite risky because you just don't know what's going to happen. And when you're shorting a stock, like when you short a stock, the maximum amount of money you can make is 100% if that stock goes to zero. But you can also lose infinite dollars. Like, let's say, let's say for some reason Ford is like, you know what? We think Carvana is awesome. We want to buy out this company. We're going to buy it at a, you know, $2 billion market cap. If you're short the stock, then you're going to lose 100% of your cash if for some reason this company gets bought out or anything like that. And there's always the slight chance that a company can get bought out. Like we talk, I've, I've talked about Tattooed Chef a lot on my YouTube channel, my personal YouTube channel. You know, in hindsight, I wish I shorted that stock because I was a, I was basically saying I thought the company was going to go bankrupt when it was selling for $11. It's a dollar now. I would have made 90% within six months. But like, I also think there was a real chance that Whole Foods or something could have bought out Tattooed Chef and then I would have lost a lot of money. So I like to try and focus on just going long. I don't really like going short. It's a form of leverage and, um, yeah, I, I, I try to stay away from shorting now, although I have done it in the past. Um, I mean, short squeezing is always possible too. Like yeah. I know a lot of those stocks got squeezed. Uh, I see Bajay in here. Thanks for being here every week saying that Carvana was talked about a lot on Reddit. So like you said, and also mental well-being is what we talked about too. Warren Buffett talks about this a lot. Like for me, I wouldn't short because I would probably have anxiety over the unknowns. And when I invest, I don't like to have to think about them every day. So just for like the mental gains too, I think is another one. Yeah. Like to me, to summarize my thoughts, I think it's an unnecessary risk for a long-term investor. And also, by the way, everyone, I'm looking over there because the stream is over on that screen so that I can do both things at once. Anyways, this is Carvana's investor presentation. Now, when you when you go to an investor presentation, there's, in my experience, you should always have your guard up because the investor presentation is meant to get you to invest in the company. So they're going to make the company look as great as possible to try and get your money. So I go to the investor presentation. I like to see the information. But I also have my guard up and I'm like, I know they're trying to sell me. It is a sales pitch. So when you go to Carvana's investor presentation, it is a 90 slide investor presentation of purely trying to sell you on at the company and buying their stock. Like it is. Yeah. So. And not they, a lot too, in my experience, I'm used to seeing ones 20 to 30 pages, very clear. Like if you're confused, yeah. usually not your fault and like keep that in mind. Yeah, 90 pages. Yeah, dude, that's just way too long. Anyways. Oh, uh, slides were copied and pasted from each other when I was scrolling through them. Like, the words were the same. They changed, like, one image. It was... Uh, yeah. All right. So, we can see here they're, they're saying their retail units sold. Massive growth. So, you know, as an investor, you see this nice chart. You're probably like, that looks really nice. The gross profits per unit is also going up, but they're not talking about their actual profits per unit. They're just talking about their gross profits. We can see their EBITDA margin has increased from negative 32% to negative 8.3% in the most recent quarter, 
And remember, this is EBITDA. This is not earnings. This is not cash flow. This is earnings before interest payments on their $6 billion of debt, taxes that they have to pay, and depreciation and amortization, which is also like CapEx. So even before all of those expenses, the company is still negative 8.3%. So in reality, they're not even close to profitability, like not even close. But they're trying to show you that, you know, it's going up into the right. Gross profits are going up into the right. Everything is going up into the right. But they're still losing a ton of cash. Um, and then the next screenshot. So this is a whole slide and it says, question, does Carvana want to be the largest automotive retailer and most profitable? Both. But here's the key word here is want. That is not, are they going to be? That's just like, we want to. So Jake, does Stock Unlock want to be the biggest retail investing platform in the world and take over Bloomberg and Yahoo Finance? Yeah, a weird answer. It, this is just making me think of the Pokemon theme song. <laughs> I want to be the very thing. Yeah, but it's just like, you, you really got to pay attention to the language because they're saying, yeah, we want to do that. But in reality, is that ever going to happen? No, not at all, in my opinion. Yeah, I also like when the slides focus on financials. One thing I really didn't like about these is over half the slides were just saying, oh, we're going to be so big. We're building so much. We're the future. I say a slide comparing them to like Best Buy and Walmart market cap. And I'm just like, what? These yeah, are I know. Walmart companies. Yeah. Um, so then they also, this is a slide. And basically this slide is dedicated to showing where the company is going to get its money from so that it can continue acquiring more vehicles and then selling those vehicles um, through their platform. Now, they talk about dealers, they talk about lenders, which is, you know, lending money essentially. Then they say investors and they say, we're going to get our money from banks, credit unions, and fixed income investors. What they do not say here is they're going to get their money from dilution, which is actually how they're getting their money. So there is nothing here that says, hey, we're going to dilute our shareholders to, to raise capital when that is in fact how they've done it historically. So this big question mark, big red flag for me, did not like that at all. And then they always talked about in their in their investor presentation, the long-term, and they don't specify the long-term. They just say the long-term all over the place, right? So they say their long-term projections is they want a gross margin between 15 and 19% without saying how they're going to get there. And then their EBITDA margin, they say long-term is going to be 8 to 13.5% positive. And remember, that's EBITDA margin before interest on the $6 billion of debt and all those other expenses. So basically over the long-term, they're saying we're probably not even going to be profitable. Hey, don't remind me that the CEO literally got co like committed fraud in the 90s. I'm just like looking at these slides. It's like, well, if they say that the executive leadership and all their ideals kind of spread through the company, like kind of feel the best coming through these slides of it too. Okay, and then the last thing we want to talk about is this. So the, the company had a 100K milestone gift. So basically when the company sold, it's, yeah, right here. In recognition of Carvana selling its 100,000th vehicle, CEO recently committed to give each current employee 165 shares of his personal stock once they reach their one-year employment anniversary, a gift worth up to $35 million. So basically, once Carvana sold its 100,000th vehicle, CEO was going to gift every employee some of his own personal stock. Then later on, once they actually sold their 100,000th vehicle, this says, in light of administrative and tax efficiency considerations, we are structuring this donation as restricted stock unit grant awards from the company to employees over the next several quarters as they become eligible. So basically what happened is initially the CEO was like, I'm going to give you guys my personal stock. Then once the 
they actually sold 100,000 vehicles, they were like, you know what? Nah, what we're going to do is issue new shares of restricted stocks from the company, dilute our, dilute our shareholders to pay our employees. Like, man. <laughs> rough. Well, that's some rough stuff going on there. <laughs> I agree. I feel like we beat, beat this one with a stick, unfortunately. Yeah. But yes, when you're out there investing, look at profitability, look at who's running the company. In this case, for me, big red flag from the CEO's past. Uh, and just, you know, these are things that you can try to look out for. Yeah, so we got an interesting question earlier. Um, can we try to find the lowest insight score on the platform? So we theoretically, you could do this, but we actually limit our screener results to 3,000 tickers. So we don't actually screen if you have no filters on the screener right you, you will not actually see the 170,000 stocks that we grade so unfortunately you cannot do that but what i just did is i went to the tsx to try and find the worst stock on the tsx and like just for fun right and uh it looks like it looks like this is it wait this is it is it right here dun 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 uh... gold mining inc so oof <laughs> look at that so what I've noticed with our insights, by the way, Jake, is they're pretty good. Like if the, if the stock has a high insight score, it's usually not 100% of the time, but it's usually a pretty fundamentally sound stock. There are some things that slip through the cracks there, but what I've noticed for me, at least in my own analysis is if a stock has an insight score below 2.8, it's almost, I would say in my personal analysis, 100% of the time, it's been a bad company that I do not want to buy. So I've noticed that our insight scores are very good at finding bad stocks and like pretty dang good at finding good stocks. So yeah, it's a, it's a lot of good signaling. I think it definitely helps me find stocks to research. However, there are some examples of high insight score stocks where the things you don't see is the business mode, what they're selling. Yep. We have a lot of people ask us about in mode INMD. I yep. think their insight score is like 4.5 because their financials are flawless. But what you don't see is they're operating in a business where the product they're offering, just like plastic surgery and Botox and stuff, doesn't have a huge moat. And I've also seen some concerns that they are so profitable, but they're not actually giving any of that back to shareholders. So people are kind of watching the executives get rich while not giving out a dividend or buying back shares too much. So it, it yeah, good signals. But what we always tell everyone is like, it's a good starting point, but you yeah. shouldn't ever just invest based on the score. And conversely, Daniel, I think they're are stocks out there that have lower scores that are a turnaround play. You have CEOs changing sometimes, companies going through restructurings, and sometimes where you get the biggest like 10 baggers is when you find stocks that are beaten down, but you see something the market doesn't where you think they will actually turn it around. And that sometimes leaves a lot of meat on the bone. And it's, it is risky though. Yeah, so what, by the way, everyone, um, what we're doing currently is building in valuation insights. That will be, I've been working on these insights for like a month to make sure that they're good and they'll add in the company's current value to the insights because what i noticed in my own portfolio for example man i'm going on a tangent right now but this is good information i think so this is my million dollar challenge portfolio that i'm running on my personal youtube i do not have a million dollars but it's just a this, this feature is in beta i have to say that as an engineer so you might okay. see this is in beta but you can see that like a lot of my stocks right here um dental for example has an insight score of 2.96 and I've been asked, you know, about the stock, why does it have such a low, um, well, not low, but like average insight score, like why do I own it? And the reason I own it is because I thought the valuation was just stupid. So once we add in the valuation insights, you'll actually have valuation added into the insight score 
which should increase a lot of the undervalued stocks and overvalued stocks like in my opinion nvidia and tesla those inside scores should be brought back down a little bit because um you know they're just a little bit overvalued so in my opinion I've got a good question for you about these insights scores, Daniel. So we yeah. averaged them, correct? So if we actually pop open the insights tab right now, you can kind of see visually when we create the average, like this is an amazing example where most of them are very good, but you could have a stock that has a score of three and have all the scores kind of be three, or it could have an average of three and have some scores be ones and some scores be fives. It, it just makes it really interesting because you could be an investor looking for growth for financial health. Uh, maybe you kind of care more about like dividends or you're looking for REIT. So, you know, a three and a three side by side, like you need to kind of peel back the onion a little bit more. Yeah, of course. Yep. Yeah. And that's, that's where the screener is awesome because you can like, you can search stocks and then filter by the highest growth score too, not like the highest actual overall score. But um, yeah, this is, this is a INMD right here and our insight scores 4.73, which is one of the highest on the platform. You can see right here, grown revenue at 33.84% over the past year. And it also has more cash than liabilities, which means that, you know, it could use its current cash position to be totally debt-free if it wanted to. Financial health current ratio is 10, debt-free. Shares are decreasing. They're buying back shares, cash, more than total liabilities. Company's growing, or sorry, it's, it's projected to continue growing by analysts. Revenue's been growing. Um, cash flow has not been growing that much, but net income, operating income, everything else is growing. Highly profitable, 84% gross margin, 41% free cash flow margin, you know, like, this company, in terms of all of its financial metrics, like it looks really, really good. And I mean, even if you go to the income statement in the trailing 12 months, like beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Balance sheet is also beautiful. $486 million of cash. Cash is growing organically. Um, they have current liabilities of 57 million, but versus their cash position, like that's nothing, zero long-term debt. You know, like it, book value is going up. Like every metric on this business looks incredible. It's honestly a very attractive stock. But as you were saying, like, so they have all this cash coming into the business and Sven Carlson, or sorry, not Sven Carlson, Sven Carlin. I just mixed two YouTubers names. Um, <laughs> uh, he is a great value investor. I don't agree with him all of the time, but I still respect his opinion greatly because he's a, he's a freaking great guy. Anyways, so what he was saying, basically, his rebuttal for the stock was, you know, they're generating all of this cash flow right here, right? But they're not really doing anything with the cash flow. And what they're doing is they're just setting the cash on the balance sheet pile up. So they're not like, they're buying back some shares. Like if we go to the quarterly, we can see right here that they bought back, you know, 65-ish million dollars worth of stock right there. That's been corrected before then. I, I mentioned I don't think they were buying back stock, but... They are, yeah. but they are, but they're not buying back nearly as much as they could. Yeah. <laughs> Buy more, damn it. <laughs> seriously though, seriously. Like if you're an investor, it's like, why is the cash piling up? Why do you have half a billion dollars of cash on the balance sheet right now when you could buy, you, they could easily buy back $200 million worth of stock and like they would, they would still have more cash than total liabilities. Yeah. So uh, that was Sven's thing is he was like, why are they not returning the cash to shareholders? Like what is happening here? Fair enough. And that was a red flag for him, but you know, man. Yeah, and it's well, going to price free cash flow 16 right now with all that fundamentals. So it's like, it, it is a pretty freaking attractive stock in my opinion, but you know, you, you got to do some more digging for sure. Wait, we got a few uh, messages in the chat, a few shout, shout outs on Stock and Lock. Shishir, uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. Thank you so much for saying Stock and Lock is awesome. We agree. Uh, I actually need to go get my laptop fixed. So pray that the engineers can keep coding it this weekend from the water spill we talked about before. We have another good one here. So... 
This is going back to our Carvana conversation where we mentioned that they were giving RSU stock options, which is going back on what the CEO originally said when he said the stocks would come from his own. So uh, Master Tunberry isn't issuing it as RSU for each quarter uh, to keep employees. Yeah, so it's basically stock-based compensation. And, you know, stock-based compensation on its own, in my opinion, isn't like a huge red flag if it's like, you know, they're not giving 20% stock-based compensation every quarter or something crazy like that. But the reason that this was so interesting to me and Jake was because initially the CEO is like trying to be charitable. And initially he was saying, you know, when we sell 100,000 vehicles on our platform, I am personally going to give our employees my own shares. And then when the milestone was hit, he backed out on that and instead diluted the shareholders to fulfill his promise. So that's why to me it was kind of sketchy is because he was trying to be charitable. It almost is like he didn't think they were going to hit 100,000 sales. And then when they did, he was like, you know, crap, I don't want to give my personal shares. Let's just dilute. Yeah. And I could add a little bit of personal experience here. So you guys could do research and figure it out if you want. I will not name drop this company, but I worked for a company. They went public while I was there. And I can tell you from what happened to us, if you're given RSUs or any stock options in a company that's tanking and the company I worked for went from $38 a share is trading at like two. When you're an employee at that company, and I'm still talking to the people there, the engineers and everyone who's getting RSUs, you're just trying to flood those on the market as quickly as possible. It doesn't feel as good as when you're getting RSUs from a company that's growing. So yes, that's kind of the intention where you want to have high intention retention with your employees. But I would argue that if your stock's tanking and your business is tanking, it doesn't it, it doesn't really do much. You're kind of throwing pennies in the bucket because people look at that and they're like, the longer I hold this, the less it's going to be worth. And people are just trying to run out the door and kind of like milk the cash cow, for lack of a better phrase there. So not always uh, good for retention, depending on the state of the business. Interesting. Got a question here about BAM for you, Daniel. I'm not sure if you want to pick one of these. Someone, Jeff Swing, asked about ChargePoint. Everyone is talking about it. What do um, we think? So ChargePoint has negative free cash flow. Oh, by the way, this stock was really hyped up because I believe it was a SPAC. Yeah. So this was a SPAC back in 2020. We had this massive SPAC bubble that happened. The stock ran 343% within three months, 100% a month. You know, that seems it's a lot. And then now it is down 75-ish. Actually, whoops, I did that a little bit wrong. It's down about 76% from its all-time highs. And what charge point is, if I remember correctly, because at one point I was interested in the stock, um, they're basically building a network of electric vehicle charters. So, you know, with the growth of EVs and with Biden's plan to build all of these electric vehicle chargers all over the U.S., this company should grow, right? So let's take a look. Insights. Company has negative free cash flow. We need to shorten this number. I don't know what that is. This is still in beta, by the way. Um, has a cash runway of 16.83 months. Analysts that feature, very... that feature is in development. Yes. <laughs> analysts are very bullish. Perfect score for analysts, I guess. They're, they think this company is going to continue growing very quickly. Profitability is not good, though. Gross margin is very low. It's burning cash, negative 71% for cash flow margin, unprofitable. It's lost $283 million in cash flow, but it is growing. It grew revenue by 144% last year. So that's interesting. Let's take a look. What I don't like immediately, though, is the gross margin, because this means that the company, it, it means that it can, it's spending 83% of its money just to generate the revenue. And then, you know, from the gross profits, you have to pay employees, operating expenses, marketing, you know, developing new uh, new charging system or new charging networks, all that stuff. So they don't have a lot of cash left to pay all of their operating expenses. Um, yeah, and plus yeah. one for that, one thing I was going to add in here for color is just thinking about this as a business, 
it's really cash intensive. Like you have to think of all the logistics around building all these, servicing them, making sure they're up. And yeah, when the company's unprofitable and they're public, it's just like people hype this stuff up. It's a great industry, but I just ask questions like, is it here yet? Like, are people just overhyping it before well, we're ready for all these chargers? What I would do themselves. Like, I don't know if I'm sold on the, I think this is super speculative, by the way. I don't think that there is any business that is specifically a charging station network that has proved it can scale, grow profitably. So I think that this entire business is totally speculative. It's not been proven at all. So I also know that Tesla is building out their own charging network. And what Tesla is doing is using their organic cash flows to build out their charging network. So they're using profits from another business, their, their automotive business, to build the network. So in a bubble, right, if I had to choose between charging network companies, I would probably go with Tesla because they have the profits to support it. But then I think Tesla's overvalued right now, so I still would not, whatever. Um, we're going to take a look at this because I'm noticing something interesting. So ArchPoint's operating cash flow is going down big time, right? But the revenue is growing. So this is super interesting. So the revenue is going up, but at the same rate as the revenue is going up, the profits are going down. So that's exactly what we were just saying, Jake, is, you know, for this business to grow, it looks like it has to continue investing more and more money in that growth, which is leading the company further and further away from actually being profitable. Can we throw the CapEx in there? Um, yep. I mean, I guess we would expect that to be going up too, or? Um, it's, yeah, CapEx is going up. Yeah, it's just a huge pay per play. Like you have to pay to build out all this infrastructure. And at the end of the day, where's their money going to come from? Are they going to raise debt? Are they going to dilute yeah. shareholders? Because it's not going to fall from the sky. Yeah. So right here, we can see they raised $300 million of debt and they dilute shareholders, it looks like every quarter ish. And the yeah, warning is like, oh, sorry, Daniel. Continue. Oh, no, it's all good. Um, Daniel. I had like a flip on my side. Just uh, do not mean to be interrupting you. Oh, it's all good. But yeah, you can see here, like their cash position. Well, first off, their cash position declines and then it grows out of nowhere. That's probably from taking on new debt or diluting. And then the cash position declines. So the company is running on other people's money, OPM, as Charlie Munger would call it. And I imagine that would mean their liabilities are growing, which what would do to their book value? Book value has got to be going down. So yeah, I think it's super speculative. I don't, I'm not confident this business is ever going to be able to generate meaningful cash flow just because its gross margin is so freaking low. And, you know, they got to seriously improve their profitability for it to be, and it's a three $3.6 billion company right now. Yep. And like, I hope price to, okay. I think this is way too speculative. It's, it's got a nine price to sales with a 13% gross margin. If I, if I had to place a bet, I would say, I shouldn't say that. I I I am not bullish on I, this stock. I think you I think you think that this stock is speculative. I think uh, yeah. just to kind of button this one up, and we we have a lot of great comments in the chat to really be careful when everyone's talking about a company because that means everyone's looking at it. You know, typically there's not really a lot of meat on the bone there. And as Peter Lynch would say, you know, boring businesses are great. I'd say just think about this one at face value as what we're talking about here, building charging network, not profitable. I think there's a huge difference between a technology being cool versus something being a good investment. And it's really hard to untwist those things sometimes. So try to put on your math hat for some of these. And I think charging networks are cool. Like I want to support them. I want to support EVs, but as an investor, like you said, Daniel, I agree with your take here. Definitely speculative. They're losing money. There are so many other stocks that we could find on the stock market that would have a better chance of producing returns for shareholders. Yeah. So we got another great comment here from Dominic. 
You often talk about stock-based compensation. Is it possible to see this information in Stock Unlock? Unfortunately, right now, the answer is no. But I am also happy to say that we are, we are in discussions with another data provider to add more data to Stock Unlock, and they will have stock-based compensation. So we will be able to break that all down. We do have net stock issuance. So that takes in the stock-based compensation as well as share buybacks, which is a bit annoying because you usually want to see those separately. While we're talking about Stock Unlock, there's another question here. I do think that we already looked at apps in another stream. I wish that we had those a little bit more easy to search. Also, I really like Stock Unlock so far. Well, thank you, Exponential Investing. Can you speak to farther updates and features on the screener? Well, we have actually added a handful of filters since we launched. We love getting emails from you guys. Support at stockandlock.com or our Discord. Uh, two out of three founders of this company are engineers, and we are super passionate in writing code for this day and night all the time. So send us your feedback. We'll add it in. Other things to look forward to, as Daniel brought up early on the stream, you'll see portfolios on top. That is in beta testing, not released yet. In 2023, we were going to be working on notifications features, continuing redesigns, and honestly, just taking suggestions from our subscribers. Uh, we love building around all your feedback. So let us know what you want us to build next. Sorry, I'm just showing off the portfolio that is still in development in Meta. It's not released yet. It's still got work to do. And also, my name is Jake Ruth. Someone said, can you look at the stock Ruth? I didn't know that there was a stock called Ruth. Usually what I deal with Daniel is people asking me if I'm related to Babe Ruth. And my response to them is, if I was, I'd be playing baseball right so interesting. I'm not related to Babe Ruth. Um, Ruth's Hospitality Group, smaller cap company, looks like a REIT. Maybe not, hotels, restaurants, and leisure. Um, free cash flow yield of 3%. Looks like it pays out all of its free cash flow as a dividend. Um, hasn't really grown that much in the hospitality industry. Revenue is declining. Um, I don't know. Immediately, I'm not seeing anything too attractive about this business, to be honest. And also, it's got a low free cash flow yield relative to its growth. It looks like the growth is declining, and it looks like it pays out all of its free cash flow. Are you talking bad about my last name right now? Yep. I, 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 you know, just on like a 30-second analysis, I'm just not seeing very much interest. Is there a stock uh, called Jake? I, I need a redemption right now. All right, let's take a look at Jake. All right, fair enough. I'm going to take this quick question here. Can you import your portfolios into Stock and Lock for analysis? Uh, we do have CSV upload, which we'll be featuring with our V1. And early on, the first half of 2023, we will look to add brokerage integrations. I won't go on a rant here, but there's a lot of security concerns around there with the company's plaid and stuff like that. So as an engineer, I'm making 110% sure that when we add that integration, it is 100% safe. So that is why that won't be an initial version, but you will be able to link accounts in the future. 2024 milestone and someone said it's a restaurant hospitality oh okay um don't mean to completely just keep on self-embellishing about stock and lock but obviously you think about it all the time really appreciate comments like this thank you so much we we love talking with you guys too like hop in our discord always down to chat code uh, the code running stock and lock i would like to say is very sexy uh, we take a lot of pride in using the greatest newest technologies and a fresh light stack which is why we're able to ship features every day I will stop there, Daniel, because I think I could just talk about code forever, but this is a stock podcast. Bring us bring us back to the motherland here. All right. I got we got this comment a couple of times. Please look into Raj Ratan Global. Okay, so this is a Indian company. If you know me, you know I like the Indian stock market a lot. I am very bullish on India and I own some Indian stocks in my personal portfolio. The reason why is because India I think is going to be the world's growth engine over the next decade or two. So this stock right here, let's show as a percent change. This stock is up 2,300% over the past two years. Okay, that's a lot. 
metals and mining company. Okay, immediately I don't love that. Uh, wh um, why not? Because metals and mining companies, they're commodity companies, and they, it's like a gold company. Think about gold. Gold is a mining, like all gold. Yeah, I, I, I own AEM, actually. Okay, well, all, you know. So these companies' profits rely on the price of commodities. Like if, if gold prices are high, they make more money. If gold prices are low, they make less money. I don't know if this is a gold company. That's just an example. But like over the past year, I believe steel companies, steel prices went up like crazy. So steel companies were making so much money. But I don't know if that's sustainable. So I don't like to buy these businesses because I don't know in five years what the price of steel is going to be. And I don't know if, if their profits are going to go down 80% if steel goes down. So all of these commodity businesses, like just me personally as an investor, I don't know what their future looks like. So I try to stay away. I don't own metals and mining in my portfolio for those reasons. Same with oil. I used to own a, a very small position in oil, but I just don't know what the price of oil is going to do. And I like consistency. I feel like commodities is its own like area of investing too. Like we, ha we have had requests from our users to show data and stock a lock around like, you know, the price of different metals and things like that over time. But yeah, invest in what you know good takeaway <laughs> yeah i mean the company's revenue and everything is growing i don't i don't know man i don't know i just yeah, go we, we can throw the towel on this one i mean we would never give it um opinions that we wouldn't stand by so i guess yeah. this might be a little bit out of our areas of expertise but financials seem decent and like if you do know a lot about commodities you know maybe daniel you said the steel example before like i do think people are going to be buying and using steel in five years so even though like we're not experts in being able to predict the price there. I do think, you know, we probably have people in the chat who are more experts on commodity businesses. So it seems like we've got some studying to do here, but until then we'll not be touching the stock. Yeah. I, I just personally wouldn't. That's just me though. I have no idea if I'm right. All right. I'm just playing around. Um, I'll take a look. I'll take a look for another comment. Screening, yeah, the, uh, uh, screening the Indian stock market right now, because there's a lot of, a lot of interesting stocks in there. Yeah. We, we do have stocks from global exchanges and in the screener, you can uh, search just for those. There was one comment about adding an exclusion. Uh, let's see, yeah, from Sebastian. That's a great idea. I'm going to put that on the discussion topic for when we plan work next week, and we'll see if we can pull it in. Yeah, right now, for me to exclude companies, for example, like what I do, I don't know if this is the best way, but I just select all of the industries, for example, and then I go through here and I'll like remove what oh I Oh my God, want. dude. As an engineer watching this, I'm like, twitching but for anyone that's looking to start a company or a business i mean this is really what it looks like engage with your customers ask them what they want and continue to build around them not that we're going to go back into the stock and lock founding story but daniel and i did not know each other and i could not stand seeing him use excel sheets and ba balance a few different sites for everything he had to do so if you are a stock and lock user and you find yourself doing kind of weird things or weird flows like let us know about it maybe we could uh improve your life a little more that's funny, Daniel. You just showed me. You basically check all of them and then uncheck. Yeah, that's what I do. Well, Sebastian, that's your workaround. Uh, so engineering will work on and product will work on making that a little bit smoother for you. Yeah, we've actually had this request a few times. So, and as a user, that'd be great. But let's continue on. And we got all right. Vijay asking a few. I know someone asked about BAM up front too, which could be cool. And they said that insight score. Bam, Bam is just so. What is CIBC's ticker? What is it? I'm a Canadian. I should know this. What is CIBC sticker? I don't know what you're talking about. It's a bank. Oh my goodness. I don't know this ticker off the top of my head. Shameful. I know. All right. I'm going to find it on the TSX. Um, let's remove that. Industry. Banking. Oh, what were we just talking about? Dang, I had a comment. I brought BAM quickly. Oh, all right. Thank you. 
BAM is such a confusing company. I purposely avoid talking about BAM because it's just such a black hole. And honestly, like, even if I explain it, I don't think it's going to come off well. So, like, if, if you're interested in BAM, set aside about three days of homework. It's really it's a complicated business to understand. Yeah, it's just this massive conglomerate of, like, a bunch of other different public companies. But I love it. I've spent the time to sit down and research it. Like if I did a video on BAM, it'd be like two hours long. It's just so much digging, so much reading. And um, if like, I believe that if you're going to invest in a company, you should, you should really know that company. And if you're going to invest in BAM, like I would seriously say you got to do two to three days of digging on it and you got to just sit down and grind it out. So I'm laughing because BAM, it's good to see you again. And I think we got some inside jokes from the, from the last stream where uh, BAM is also referring to this user. But yeah, if you can't explain it to a five-year-old, probably shouldn't be buying it. I can explain it to a five-year-old. Well, if I could explain it in 30 seconds, it'd be this massive conglomerate company that owns a bunch of other different companies like Berkshire Hathaway, takes those profits and invests it all over the place, like all over the world and generates really high returns on all that capital. But they're involved in a lot of different industries. Anyways, I found CIBC right here using our screener. Let's go. CM.to. Someone beat you to it. Let's see. Uh, Wouder uh, Verduz. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. CIBC. So yeah, I think they just reported their earnings. Yes. And the stock did not respond well. It's down 10%. The dividend is at 8% now? That's more than a government bond, as you always say, the 10-year. It's much more than a bond. Announced today, it's offering a 2% discount on shares issued. So if you drip, you get a 2% discount as well. What happened? That's a big drop for a bank, man. That is like, the revenue's fine. It got it, it had to be their outlook then. Like, what the revenue's at an all time high. What is happening here? What about profitability? Interest income is fine. Loan loss provisions are fine. They're not going crazy. Net income, net income looks like it is down on the quarter, declining in the trailing 12 months. I would have to do more digging here. Are they buying back shares? What happened? I'm kind of confused. Well, the diluted shares outstanding number one up, but that also wasn't the last quarter. Yeah, it might have yeah. been a guidance thing, like you're saying. I think it. I think it must have been a guidance thing. So yeah, I don't. I don't know. They must have said maybe they're seeing something in the economy. Maybe I have no idea. Can we bring up like the price to book or something? So other reasons why companies can fall on earnings, even if they're good, is that people were pricing in too much growth. So you'll have these darling companies like Tesla fly to the moon, but at the end of the day, long-term companies will track their financials. So even if they are growing, people might have thought they were growing 10x, but they grew 5x. And then you'll see Wall Street sell off the stock based on that too. They're, they also increased their dividend in the most recent quarter, it looks like. Okay. Sorry, you said you wanted to go check out their price to book. Uh, a question for you, Daniel, like what do you think is a good valuation metric for this business? Would we call it price to tangible book, price to book because it's a bank? Um, I would use price to earnings. Let's do it. Which is also going, it's also going to contradict the newsletter I just wrote a little bit saying that price to earnings isn't always the best ratio because caveat in our next newsletter, I'm going to explain why you should use it on financial companies because cash flow metrics just do not work. So this company's price to earnings is sitting at 8.6 now. Average over the past decade has been 10.32. So its PE is below its historical averages, um, at least over the past decade. Yeah, let's take a look. I also like the price to book, Jake, as you said. I think that's a good metric. For banks yeah yeah and right now the price to book is about one so it's selling for book value and historically it is traded well above book value so on a price to book basis it does look decently cheap let's also take a look at the dividend yield do we have any other similar stocks that we could throw in here so other things to do too when you're analyzing a stock is look at other stocks in the industry and try to look at their ratios and see how it stacks up against its its peers you know technology stocks bank stocks 
uh, tend to have different uh, threshold bands where investors would typically uh, evaluate a company, you know, whether that be on a book value basis, what have you. Yeah. So let's take a look at TD and Royal Bank and let's throw an equitable bank here just because I love the stock. <laughs> yeah. I, every stream, man, it's a favorite I'm stock. I'm doing my own analysis right now for everyone, by the way. This is kind of selfish. I want to know what's what's going on here. No, dude, we're, we're all here for it. As a viewer of your channel as well, like I honestly love watching you just analyze stuff live. I know those re lives you did were like super fun. We ended up doing a part two. So if you guys want to catch more of our content, you could head over to the Stock and Block YouTube channel, look at our past videos. We appreciate okay. it. So CIBC is the dark blue line here. It's the third lowest. Royal Bank has a PE of 11.6 now. Okay, you know what? I'm going to look at the table down here. So the latest is below average, latest below average, latest below average, and latest slightly above average, actually. Interesting. Um, so relative to the other banks, like these are the other major Canadian banks right here. Equitable Bank is a small cap. It always trades at a discount for now. But right now, CIBC is definitely trading at a discount to the other large cap companies or banks. And all the banks seem to be trading below their historical average PE ratios. Um, I mean, it's got a really nice dividend, man. I really like that dividend. I'm going to, you know, I, I have to figure out what's going on here. Because the revenue is growing, net income is down slightly, but... It sounds like you're planning another video, dude. <laughs> the bank videos don't work well, though. People don't really seem too interested in bank videos. Whenever I make them, they're just like, they don't get watched, which is unfortunate. Um, I, wa I watched. Thanks, Jake. But yeah, I'll, I'll look yeah. into CM. I want to know what's going on here, because as a Canadian investor, that's a really nice dividend, and I would not mind that for the TFSA. Maybe I can throw that in the TFSA when I get to contribute here in a few weeks. I'm going to take a quick comment here about our tools. Uh, Sebastian, thank you again. I really appreciate these. Oh, your comment went away. Bring it back. Uh, so he was asking about presets in the free form. So kind of like save your uh, metrics that you like. We do have that designed and it is in the work queue. One of those projects that we have not prioritized over a few other things, but 100% in 2023 and sneak peek, we are actually redesigning the freeform tool a bit. It's going to get a lot prettier. The table that you see below Daniel will actually start to be color-coded, so you could easily match the line in the table to the line in the graph. So look forward to updates dropping there throughout the next one or two months. And in 2023, we will have that preset feature. Uh, and Jake, what's up? Uh, after the stream, let's take a look at this because we're reporting the most recent dividend as USD, not Canadian. And I just saw a comment that said CIBC's dividend is actually 5.5%. So if we're annualizing a US dollar dividend, that could be why the dividend looks higher right now. So let's just do a little bit more research into that. Bookmark, bookmarked, yeah. Currency conversion is always super fun. Um, yeah, I wonder I wonder what happened there. We'll take a look into that. Uh, someone says, I feel ghosted. Uh, you are not a ghost. We see you. Uh, <laughs> I enjoy all your stock and lock review. Thanks. Hello. And someone said that they bought $1,000 of Carvana. Jason, if that is true, best of luck to you. Try to, as much as we can, be respectful to anyone's positions and... Yeah, I'm not sure if you were here for the beginning of the stream. We have a slightly different opinion on that stock, but that's stuff. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be praying for you. Um, and the company just does not look like it's in a good spot at all. Like, really consider that it's really not in a good spot. Um, we had a comment up here. Someone said they felt ghosted, so I feel bad. We got to take a look at ALGN now. Oh, that's why they said that. Vero, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So normally I'm typing in the chat with you all, but if you missed the beginning of the stream, I had water poured on my laptop last night so my keyboard is not working i'm actually headed to a computer repair shop in new york city after this send a prayer for my laptop so i can write code for soft and lock tonight oh please 
Oh, please, laptop gods. Praying for your laptop. Fix my keyboard. Okay, so Align Technology um, has grown its revenue by 3% over the past year. Also buying back shares, it looks like. It's debt-free. Shares have decreased, so yeah, buying back shares. Growth is, you know, they grew the revenue by 2%, but gross profits are declining. Operating income is declining. Net income is declining. Operating cash flow declining. Free cash flow declining. So that would be something I would take a look at for sure. Gross margin is super high as well, but then their operating margin is only 20%. So it looks like they have a lot of operating expenses because you take the gross profit, you pay your operating expenses, then you get your operating margin. So that says, that tells me that 40 two percent of their revenue goes to operating expenses which i always like to look at the selling general and administrative expenses because sometimes when you do the math on how much they're paying excuse me how much they're paying like per employee you're kind of like eh, like is this company using its money effectively like sometimes i don't like buying stocks the ceo of an unprofitable company decides that they need to be paid 15 million dollars a year and that, i'm not saying that's happening here by the way but something i try to look for oh the firm is engaged in the design, manufacture, and marketing of Invisalign clear aligners. So this looks like they are like a dental industry. Looks like they have a lot of products, actually. I would need to dig into this a little bit more. They're in the market of orthodontics, restorative, and aesthetic dentistry products. Okay. So they saw a massive, massive, massive boost to revenue during COVID, it looks like. Massive boost. And now it looks like revenue is kind of starting to come down. Looks like it's kind of topping out. Um, what about their cash flows? Cash flows kind of same story. It looks like their cash flows are actually back to where they were in 2019, which is interesting. What about their free cash flow? They're buying back a lot of stock, but they're buying back more stock. Wait, in the TTM, they ba they're basically using all their free cash flow to buy back stock. It looks like, and their free cash flow is down a lot. It's actually below 2019 levels now. I don't love to see that. Yeah, it's always confusing because I do like when companies buy back stock. So. That is increasing shareholder value, but the fact that the revenue is going down, it makes me ask myself, do I understand this company? Like, are we dental experts here? I, I don't know. I know I'm not. So it's, it would be really hard for me to see, like, you know, who are their competitors? Like, how are they able to price their products? Like, are they losing revenue because there's other people coming in, taking their business? I would want to be able to answer all those questions before considering a position. Yeah. So their free cash flow margin is down significantly. What is their operating cash flow margin? Their operating cash flow margin is also down significantly. I would want to know why is this? Why are the profits down? Um, because since the profits are down, like let's take a look at the share. Whoa. It's a double black diamond. Okay, so this makes sense though, right? Because companies follow profits, right? They follow cash flow. So since the cash flow is back down to 2019 levels, like you can see the stock is selling for $187-ish. And since the cash flows are back down to like 2019 levels, the stock is selling back for where it was in 2019. So you can clearly see the stock is following the free cash flow. So what I would do if I were looking into the stock is I would try to figure out why is the free cash flow down so much? Why are the margins down so much? Is that a short-term thing? Is it going to be fixed in the future? And if not, right now it's got a price to free cash flow of 42, which is a yield of 2.37%, which is below bonds, Jake. Which means that the stock, you know, which means that the stock, if the free cash flow does not grow, I think the stock is is expensive right now. So I would really want to figure out if the free cash flows are going to grow, and just like what's happening to the margins right now. Daniel Pronk on the stocks. There you have it. Lol. Yeah. Um, let's. Uh... Saw a couple comments here about stock unlock. Can we get an all time high feature in the key metric? 
I think we could. Annoying follow-up question. I am curious to hear how you would use the all-time high feature in your investment thesis. Uh, we've seen other apps do some interesting features with all-time highs that we question if they help investors or not. So that's why we've been a little skittish on that one. Daniel, this one to make you smile. I really like the clips channel, but there's only three videos. So that was an experiment that we did, and we are going to start clipping up our content. Uh, we are going to start contracting with someone that we know pretty well. So we will be posting those on our YouTube channel, the one that we are streaming on now, going to keep it all in one place. So that was a little experiment. I'm not sure if we're going to keep posting to there, but you should expect more shorts posts from this channel. And yeah, let me know if you have any more questions there, uh, Router. Yeah, we're going to be mm. posting. This... Sebastian, you were really giving me a lot of smiles this morning, which is great because I woke up feeling pretty down and had a lot of internal talk to be in control of my own emotions around not being able to code and going to fix my laptop. I will not name this other platform directly. I will say we really appreciate your support. We are building this all the time. We have so much planned for 2023 and we are extremely grateful to have you on board. So love to hear that. And if anyone else is still using other platforms and things out there, are there features that they have that you want us to put in stock a lot, let us know because we build it all. I mean, we're, we're shipping features daily. So last night, well, daily, <laughs> not every day, but we're working every day to build new stuff. And I'm shipping out features at 2, 3 a.m. That's when those uh, our Europe users start coming online. We, we also have a lot of features right now that uh, we're still working on, like the Insights Quick Blurb that we, we all saw in this live stream. That is still in beta. You can clearly see we got some things to work on, but like we're really hoping to get that out soon. Um, so we got a question earlier about Telus, which is a large phone company, basically an internet company. My phone is hooked up through Telus. I am a Telus user. I used to own a Telus stock. Um, I was buying it, this is the US dollar version of it, but I was buying the Canadian version. I initially started buying it like right around here in 2020, and then I was dollar cost averaging it. And then this happened, okay? This is a very slow growing company, right? Very, 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 very slow growing company. And it ran up 33% within like a year. So I was buying Telus, I loved the stock, but I almost top ticked it because it got up to here. And I was like, this is just way too expensive for this company. Like when, when a stock like this runs 30% within a year, I view it as the stock taking away future returns. Like basically I'm getting all my future returns right now. I was thinking the stock was going to grow 30% over five years. It gave me 30% in one year. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm selling it. Sorry, what? Did you sell? I did sell it. Yeah, I sold it up here because I was like, this is just like, I don't know why this stock is running so much because the fundamentals are not like, look, the fundamentals. Dude, you you timed the peak in hindsight. I know that that was lucky because you can't predict the future. But looking historically back at that trade, I mean, giving you a golf clap over here, friend. I mean, yeah, but it was luck. I have no idea. But I'm this is this was my thinking though. Why I sold the stock, right? Because I take a look at profitability. If you take a look at the revenue, the revenue is still growing. Revenue is going at an all time high. There's a few reasons actually. But if you take a look at the actual operating cash flow. It's been flat. It's actually slightly down since 2020. And then again, if you go and take a look at the at the stock price, as we saw, the stock was up massively. So what this means is the company is just getting more and more expensive relative to its profits and what it can actually deliver back to shareholders. 
Now, on top of this, the company pays out a massive freaking dividend. And let's take a look at the TTM OER. What was... Okay, yeah. So the company is in this massive CapEx cycle. So first off, let's tell a little bit of a cash flow story here. So we got $4.6 billion in operating cash flow coming into the business. And then the company is spending $6 billion on capital expenditures. So immediately the company is free cash flow negative right now due to their heavy CapEx cycle that the company is currently in. And for me, when I see this, I'm like, why are they still paying the dividend? Because how are they paying the dividend? If they're if they're using 100% and more of the cat operating cash flow into CapEx, then there's no money left for the dividend. So how are they paying this dividend? And the answer is they're taking on debt and they're also diluting shareholders. So they're, they're, they're literally diluting shareholders and taking on massive amounts of debt just to continue paying the dividend, which is also what Intel is doing right now, which I don't love. So, you know, I just, it got to a point where the stock was so expensive and I was like, yeah, I don't know if it's down to a level where I would be happy to buy back into it yet. Um, especially with just like so many other opportunities in the market right now. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I haven't taken a look at its valuation lately, so I just don't know, but that's the I, reason. I got a, I got one more question for you on this stock, Daniel. Cool. Okay. You only had a little bit of an epiphany moment here. This company okay. is the phone company, correct? Well, phone, internet, cool. So the name or tell, tell, you were saying tell us, but is that a play on words? Is this supposed to be tell us? Like tell us phones. I just want to ask the founders of this company if that was intentional or not, because I never realized that you talk about this stock all the time. And it's just one of those things where it's like, something's right in front of your face and you never noticed it. Same thing with the FedEx logo has an arrow in it. That's right. Anyways. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, interesting question here from Exponential Investing. We always give you stocks to look at. Do you have any you want to share? I would say Daniel Prompt's personal channel as well as Stock and Lock channel. Uh, we put out videos a lot on different stocks. Quoting a past episode, I believe it was episode nine, but I might have to correct myself there. I did open up and say I was starting a position in Airbnb. Again, we are not financial advisors. This is not financial advice. Nothing we talk about is buy or sell recommendations. It's just our own nerdy opinions about the stocks. So if you want to go learn a little bit more about why I started a small position in Airbnb that I'm dollar cost averaging into, you can check that out. I'd say that would be one stock I have to share that's from us instead of from you. Daniel, not sure if there's any anything beating off your chest that you want to share stock-wise, a Daniel Prompt suggestion. No, not this week. Not really. Um, we, we have shared before, though, on the live streams, which stocks we're buying. Like, we talked about dental before and, like, the small cap stocks that I've been buying and interested in. So, yeah, I don't have anything new to share this week. I'm just continuing to dollar cost average. Yeah, hit the bell icon on our YouTube channel. You know, we go live every week, try to do the same time, and we're always, you know, trying to do our best ideas out there. Got our stock and lock Discord as well, and then... You know, our stock screener now is a great way to find stocks to research, research more when you can really easily gauge their financial health and to take a deeper look. So that's our mission. Hopefully we're hitting it. Hope so. What do, what do you got here, Daniel? Uh, this is a new ticker for me. Yeah. James asks us, can you take a look at Trinity Capital ticker symbol T-R-I-N? 
So this is a small cap company. I, is that a 17% dividend? Apparently. Sorry, I'll zoom back in. Apparently. Whoa. So it IPO'd in 2021. 20, it's been public for a year and a half, it looks like. But the stock is now down 30% from its IPO. Um, it's a financial services company, small cap, $363 million. Apparently a 17% dividend. And their earnings yield is seven percent. So I, if it is true that this is a seventeen percent dividend, I am not confident it's going to remain because it's using, you know, it's it, its earnings yield is seven percent. Um, I'm very curious about that pay. I know we're going to get into it, but my first questions are like, oh, you know, what's the payout ratio? Like, how can they afford this dividend? I mean, seventeen percent is not a normal dividend. It is incredibly high. I don't know if I really see dividends that high, honestly, Daniel. And yeah, set up a lot of signal, you know, not maybe not red flags to start off, but gotta as an in investor understand where's that cash coming from? Can they afford that? Yeah, it's a it's a lender, so it lends out money. Revenue is growing. Revenue is at an all time high. Um, cash flow will not be the metric to use because since it's a lender, it's going to be lending out money, which means it's got cash leaving the business all the time. So instead, you got to look at net income. Shares outstanding is growing over the most recent quarters. Net income is down. So it, when I see net income down on a lender like this, what it probably means is that their loans are starting to go bad and they're having to write off loans, which is going against net income. So for every lender, you know, you know, you got to take a look at who are they lending to, like how stable are those loans? What are the chances they're going to, you know, be paid off? And with a small cap company like this, I would feel less optimistic about their loans being good. Yeah, two two comments. One from James R., who asked this. I know that you're on the screen share, but uh, they're saying they sold Rivian shares when Rivian IPO'd. That's interesting. One, so they probably reported a lot of net income from that. Yeah, and one quick comment from me just on the engineering side. You really, as an investor, want companies to have moats, meaning that their business model is defensible. You know, competitors can't come in. And in the fintech space, as an engineer, I can tell you, it's not rocket science to code products like this. So I would just have a lot of fears that this company has a defensible business model being someone that gives out loans through a technology service. That to me just isn't a business that sounds enticing that I think has a moat. Call me out for being wrong there, but that's one main thing I see. Financials aside on this business, like I want to buy businesses where I can visualize what they're producing. They have a moat. They're going to grow it. Like financial service loans especially in this economic environment, just doesn't make me feel too excited, Daniel. Yeah, I agree. Even though the dividend is ridiculous. So maybe there's something I'm not seeing and there's opportunity there. And I'm just not confident. I'm not confident in that dividend. Just based on the net income, it looks like their loans are starting to go bad. I That's me speculating, but that's what it looks like. Um, so just for fun, I went to our screener and looked for the highest dividend yielding companies. This one apparently pays a 70% dividend, but it's, it's insight score is super low. Zim is an interesting company. This is a shipper. We get asked about Zim all the time because it pays a very high dividend. But the thing I don't know about Zim is global shipping rates are crashing essentially right now. So that would also explain why this stock is down 78% because global shipping rates are going down so much. This is a shipping company. So if shipping rates are down 80% year over year, then this company's fundamentals are most likely going to decline. And wow, the revenue was holding up pretty good though. The revenue is starting to decline, but not that much. Cash flow is still decent. 
But yeah, they pay out a huge amount of dividends. If if I remember correctly, they paid out a special dividend last year, and it was just like insane, dude. Yeah, they paid out a $17 dividend last year. Um, a one-time dividend payment. And I mean, on an $18 stock, if they did that again, that would be like a 90% dividend. So Daniel, is this a... This is not a growth stock then, because I got to put on a different pair of glasses. It doesn't look like people are buying this company for growth, because as you said, revenue flatline went down, operating cash flow went down, but they're paying a lot of dividends. Yep. So is that exactly. for a dividend income portfolio? Like, what? Well, I guess, whatever. What are your thoughts yeah. be here? Because I love the dividend payment. That sounds juicy. I selfishly want companies like that to pay me money as a shareholder. But I'm not convinced yet on their business model, or like you said, shipping rates might be affecting the stock price. Yeah. Yeah. So every time I get asked about the stock, it's always in regards to their very high dividend and like, should you buy for the dividend income? And um, I just have no idea. Nim said here, every investor does not know anything about Zim with a lot of laughing emoji. I have been holding and still holding. Well, we hope that works out for you. Our advice to everyone is definitely try to have a very good understanding of any stock you hold. So that's the pluck there. Obviously, we're not financial advisors, so we'll not advise you what to do with that position. Yeah, I just don't. I'm one of those investors that does not know anything about Zim. <laughs> and uh, we, we got you, James. Uh, we try to get to as many stock suggestions as we can. And sorry if anyone's feeling ghosted. Just realistically, we can't get to every single one, but we really do our best, especially people who come week after week. We do try to prioritize uh, some of the repeat cases here. So if you're enjoying the stream, we do this every week and really appreciate all the all the chats and keep them coming yeah so we got a comment right here about gsy and the reason i think that this could be interesting to take a look at is because it's like trinity um the trinity stock that we just took a look at because gsy is a lender in canada and if you take a look at their stock like this is a very volatile stock but you know compared to the spy over the past 20 years this stock is up 3500 percent versus the spy so it's been growing super 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 well and the reason I, I own the stock, by the way, just full disclosure, I own some GoEasy. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, sir. <clears throat> but the reason I like GoEasy is because, unlike I'm assuming again, Trinity's loans are going bad, but GoEasy it ha has their loans under control, and they have a history of showing that their loans don't go bad, even through recessions. Like through through the 2008 Great Recession, their loans didn't really go bad. So that gives me confidence that, you know, if we do enter this deep recession again, like they're probably going to have a good handle on it. And like this company's revenue is just freaking exploding right now. So when you like, were analyzing this company, I mean, you were like looking at who they were giving loans to and like who their customers were. And I think that's a great thing to do. And for all everyone talking about these stocks, like if you were to invest in a company like this and you can quickly answer the question, like who are they giving their loans to? I think that's a sign to take a slightly deeper look. Yeah, and it's not just like who are they giving their loans to. This company also just has a super long track record of over 20 years of historical performance through recessions and how their loans performed during those times. And like they were pretty okay. And like they're here today, still growing massively. So I, I'm pretty confident this business is going to last. And where was it? I believe I was taking a look at their income statement. Oh, yeah, their net income is. Go read our last newsletter because GoEasy's net income spiked due to an unrealized gain on an investment. And now that investment is performing poorly. So their their net income is being suppressed because of that. 
So yeah, net income is not actually going to show you the true profitability here for this business, but their actual net income and profits are still growing. The revenue is growing and they're seeing a record amount of demand. It's incredible how quick this company is growing. Yeah. I like what you said too, that they survived the 08 crisis and yeah, it just shows really good management. Yep. Yeah. I think they got really good management. Management owns a lot of shares in this business as well. So management is incentivized to make the stock go up over the long term and like be smart. And um, management is consistently buying shares in this business as well. So I love to see that as a shareholder. Love it. And uh, I'm not sure what your schedule is like today, Daniel. I think I got one more in me and then I'm going to have to bring this laptop to a computer repair store as we've been talking about. Really hope that the keyboard can get fixed. Not going to be a little lull in stock and lock engineering this weekend. <laughs> yeah, you got to get back to work, man. Come on. I don't know. <laughs> I'm saying I don't want to talk about it. I'm the one bringing it up, but yeah. If any, oh, so we have two. We have Med and then ADY. Oh, I hear this point. T God. <laughs> I think like this one comes up a lot. This one does not come up a lot. This one, I want to talk about this one because this was my largest. Was my largest loss I've ever taken on a stock. More than Aurora, like back in 2018, or oh yeah, oh yeah. So this was back when I was like first starting investing. I was buying this stock. Oh, they must've done a reverse split. But yeah, I was buying this stock like right here initially. And I was like, man, I'm a freaking genius because I was up on the stock initially, you know, super short-term sighted, had no idea what I was doing in the market, had no idea how to like value stocks or think about shareholder returns. And then I continued buying the stock all the way up and then it continued going down. And I was like, sad face. And then it continued going down. And then right around here is when I sold the stock and I took the largest loss I've ever had in my life. And um, yeah, bad, bad, bad situation. So now the question here from Shane is, is T-God a buy now? And to answer that question, what I would do is go and take a look at just like its fundamentals. So the company is still losing money. It's still losing money to this day. It generates no profits. And let's take a look at the balance sheet. Cash position is 1.83. So if we go take a look at our insights here. It has looting also. It's got a cash runway of one month. So it's going to run out of cash here very soon, it looks like. And which means they're like, how much debt do they have now? Liabilities. Okay, so liabilities haven't been growing that much, but $60 million of debt. They're generating no cash flow. They got less than a month left of cash. I don't think they're in a good spot. I Can think there are diluted shares outstanding. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Yay. So this is this is this is weird right here because they did a reverse split. So when you do a reverse split, your share count drops massively. It does look like it's coming up again after this. Hi, Shelby. Hey. Shelby Hi. Shelby's home from work. Right. Welcome to the street. How was work? Yay. <laughs> All right. But yeah, just, just to summarize, no, I would not be buying this stock. It's still losing money. It's got no cash left. They're in a bad spot. So yeah, that's my opinion. Fair enough. Uh, someone said, don't be sad, Daniel. You are not alone from a limited edition. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I did not buy this one, so... 
All right, we got a question right here. Hello, Daniel. Are you not skeptical of EQB's incredibly low loan loss allowance? I can give some credit to an efficient process, but compared to other banks, it seems low. So EQB historically has had the lowest loan loss rate by far in the banking sector. So basically EQB's loans just like don't go bad. And even through the last recession, like they just don't go bad. It's something like, I think they said they had 0.01% of their total loan book go bad in the last quarter, which was like $1.8 million worth of loans going bad versus a loan book of something like $27 billion. So whatever they're doing over there, they have some sort of proprietary system that they use in-house that allows them to analyze loans ahead of time incredibly efficiently. And like, again, they just don't seem to go bad. So I am not worried about uh, EQB personally. But yeah, Shelby, it's home. I, I, I was going to say, dude, I think... Uh... <laughs> I think I got to go. I think I got to go make breakfast. Yeah, I, I got to go make breakfast and like see my girlfriend on the weekend. So I got to get off and go make breakfast. Yeah, well, thank you everyone for joining us uh, for the last time. Every week we go live. And if you want to catch more content from us, hit the bell icon, subscribe. We are both two out of three founders of Stock Unlock, and we are nerdy, passionate engineers and investors building tools like this and you know trying to put the right data and things in all of our pockets so we could make more informed investment decisions. So. Bamboozler, Dominique, uh, Vijay, Sebastian, Eamon, James R., Miguel, Nims, uh, too many names here to list, but it's really incredible being able to stream with you all every weekend. So big thanks. Yeah, it's super fun. Like we genuinely enjoy doing it and just thank you everyone for tuning in. I just joined. Well, Carlos, we posted <laughs> you our channel. So you did join at the end. Uh, thanks for being here. You should catch us in all of our lives on our YouTube. So you can just go see all the recordings. There. You made the camera angle weird. This is an extreme close-up. Yeah, zoom in. Good time. You want to wanna see all of our pores, right? All right. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. I'm going to hurry. All right. See everyone. See you next time.